world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, Labor Day's over. Everybody took the day off. Back here working hard, ready to roll here. Coach Dave live, and as always, honored that you guys would all would all join us. Got a lot of a lot of things going on. In fact, I was just kind of commenting before before we went live here this morning. This, I, I hate these three day weekends because it just gets you, it gets you. You know, I'm I kind of I'm a guy of rhythm. I know how you guys operate. And I do this on Tuesdays. Normally, I do this on Wednesdays, and I get a three day weekend and. I'm all messed up, and it's Tuesday already. First of the month, Tuesday. Crazy, crazy stuff going on. Hey, um, we're winning. We're winning. I, I want to start out with something kind of kind of odd this morning, if you could. Spencer, pull up uh, uh, Genesis 1, because this, this is really, right here, this is the heart of what we're, what we're up against in, in modern American Christianity and America in general. And, whether we get in get into the idea of Bible prophecy and uh, are things going to get worse, are things going to get better, and where do we stand in so many different theologies and arguments and debates and all that, and and one of the things I always try to let everybody know when I come in, I'm not folks, I'm not a theologian by any stretch of the imagination. If I use that same line, I can read and I can think, and uh, I've just over the course of, of my 20-some years. I got saved in 1988. How long ago would that be? That's, that's a long time ago, and that's 30-some years ago. Wow, is that right? 1988, 12 years, 30, 35 years. Wow. Over the course of my 35 years, I don't know about you, over the course of my 35 years of being in church and out of church, and every, uh, I've never, ever had anybody do an extensive Bible study with me. Now, look, it's not their job. It's not their responsibility. But if you go to church, you are going to get the most unbelievable potpourri of mess of Christianity. That any, you, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You're going to get, uh, you're going to get uh, the opinions of men. You're going to get different types of theologies. And really, all of you are, all of us are prisoners to that guy that stands in the pulpit. And by that, I mean if he stands in front of us all and he's the instructor of all of us, then we are prisoners to what he knows. Are you, are you with me? I'm not calling him a bad man. I'm not making any indication of that at all. But I can tell you this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, theology has been passed down from one generation to another, to another, to another, to another. And that's why it tells us in Second Timothy that evil men have crept in unaware. And they change the truth of God into a lie, and they've worshiped and served the creature rather than the creation. And if you were the devil, what would you – look, if I was a football coach, which I am, how did Clemson get beat by Duke last night, by the way? If I was a football coach at Clemson last night, I would have had a game plan of how I was going to take Duke apart. And Duke certainly had a game plan of how they were going to destroy Clemson. That's called a game. That's called strategy. That's, and and uh, the Bible tells us that we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. In other words, we're supposed to have us, ourselves a scouting report about what the devil did. Because the reality of it is what happened before, just like in your own life, what's written in the Bible is nothing more than precepts by which we should all live our lives. Really, it gets right down to it. It's stories and principles of this happened to this guy because he didn't do this. And would, Anybody think I'm crazy by saying that? I mean, I think when you when you get it right down to, I believe it's the word of God. I believe all that stuff. But when I get down there, I think it's given. The Bible tells us it's been given to us as an example. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. And it tells us in Second Timothy that evil men have crept in unaware and they've changed the truth. 
We saw that that was the exact same thing that Jesus confronted when he stood before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What did he say? He says, you teach his commandments, the doctrines of men, making the word of God of none effect. Can you find that, Spencer? Is that in Matthew? No, where would that be, folks? When Jesus is before the Sanhedrin, and he's, remember this, folks. Those of you out there who've been trained in modern American Christianity, we have been taught that Jesus did not get involved with politics. We've been taught that. And as I said over and over, and I can, I'll say it over and over because we pick up new viewers every day. So I'm sorry if this is a rewind to some of you. <clears throat> Matthew 7.13. Matthew Making 7. Making the word no effect. Matthew 7. Okay, I got it. Matthew 7. Verse, just go to Matthew 7. Just go there. I'm sorry, folks. This is uh, Matthew 7. That's where I thought it was. Didn't I say that? I thought it was. <clears throat> Keep going. Um, Therefore, let's just start right there. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even to them, for this is the law of the and the prophets. Enter by the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrows the way which leadeth unto life. Hey, but few find it. Few find it. This is Jesus Christ, folks. Few find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, <clears throat> excuse me, they are ravening wolves. What a picture that is, huh? But you shall know by your fruit, by the fruits. Go ahead, Spence. Can't hear you. You're muted. Mark 7.13. Okay, this, this is Mark 7.13, yeah. <clears throat> go to, just go to Mark 7. Sorry, folks. Look, this is important that we all understand this, okay? The guy standing in your pulpit, God bless him. He learned whatever he knows from somebody else, all right? Go to verse 1, Spencer, if you could. <laughs> then came... Uh, then came then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain, not all of them, certain of the scribes which came to Jerusalem. So the religious boys show up, and they're going to take Jesus to the woodshed. All right? And when they saw, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread, which, which was defiled, that is to say, they didn't wash their hands. They found fault. For the Pharisees, and all the Jews and all those religious folks who follow all the rules and regulations thinking they can work themselves into heaven, all the Pharisees and Jews, except they wash their hands, they hold all the rules. They follow all the traditions of the elders. They don't break any of the rules. They're holy and righteous men. And when they come from the market, unless they wash, they don't eat. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels of tables, cleaning everything up. And then the Pharisees, and first of all, Jesus just gave you a picture who these guys are, okay? He just gave you a picture who they are. And then, then they showed up and said, uh, why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? So of all the things that they could have got Jesus with, they were talking to him about not wearing a mask. Basically, right? How come you're not wearing a mask? All the great things he was doing. And Jesus said unto them, Well, as the size prophesied of your of you hypocrites, as it is written, that the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How be it in vain, in other words, for no purpose, do they worship me? Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men, like washing the pots and the cups and many other such things you do. Remember, these, this was the government of his day. Jesus Christ was under the government of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He stood before Pilate. Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to release you, set you free? And Jesus said, what? You have no power over me, 
So Jesus didn't go pick a fight with the Romans because he wasn't a Roman and the Romans had no power over him. Are you tracking with me here? Anybody tracking with me? And here come these guys who have authority over him because they are the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders of the church, which supposedly he came to and they rejected him, the Bible tells us, right? And he said unto them, full well, you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your own traditions. Because Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whosoever curses father and mother, let him die the death. But you say, if a man seeks, see, God says, but you say. God says, but you say. God says, but you say. Making the word, and you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. Making the word of God. This is so profound. How, folks, could you make the word of God of none effect? Making the word of God of none effect through your traditions. Mm. Which you have delivered. Many such like things do you. And when he had called the people unto them, he said unto them, hearken unto me, everyone you understand that there's nothing from outside that's going to enter a man defiling, but what comes out of him, that's what defiles the man. And if anybody has ears to hear, let him hear. So we are living today. Uh, remember, history isn't cyclic or isn't linear, it's cyclical. And we're back in another one of those cycles where our religious leaders are teaching as commandments the doctrines of men. And when they do that, what does it say? The word of God becomes ineffectual. But the word of God becomes of no effect. We have, we have whole churches that don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have whole churches. I can think of one institution where they think all the power rests in the hierarchy of the church. By the way, that's the same in just about every religion. When you go to the average person and you say, what religion are you? You don't say Christian. You say Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominate, whatever. See, they have so taken Christianity and they've so made it the doctrines of men that some guy disagrees with somebody's doctrine and they go and start their own church. Jesus is speaking to these guys. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? That's what we're dealing with today. That's why the devil is running rampant over America because we have no common purpose. The Bible says, can two walk together lest they agree? Where is Amen. that? Anybody know where that is? Can Amen. two pastors walk together lest they agree? Doesn't matter where it is, it's in there. Can they? Can two walk together unless they agree? No, no, no. One of them has to, at some point, has to Yes, be it is Amos 3 3. Amos 3 3. Can two walk together unless they agree? Can they? Hmm? Are churches walking together? They agree. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No. Oh, this is, this whole, don't get me, don't get that up in me. I'll start reading that thing. I'll get way off track, right? <clears throat> So I asked Spencer uh, this morning to pull up Genesis. I want to start with Genesis. If I didn't, I didn't get done yet. Half stuff I want to get done. Bear with me here a second. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That was the first period in all of the Bible. And if we don't get past that, it don't matter what else you do. And you ask yourself this. When you pile, when you uh, bathe your little kids and put on their nice little dresses and send them to school, boys hopefully wear pants, you send them to school, are you teaching Genesis 1? Are they learning that when they walk into that classroom? That in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth? No. No, we're not. So how can, how can, if we don't get the first step right, how can we possibly get the rest of it right? But I want to show you something else. The earth was without form and void. Steve Quayle taught me that those words, without form and void, is a bahu and a dahu. I don't know. Can you pull that up, Spencer? See if you can do that. I should have had that ready. I didn't know if it's going to go there. A-B-O-H-U, I think it is. A-B-A-H-U. 
A-B-O-H-U. The earth was Abahu and Adahu, void and without form. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. It doesn't matter if you can't find it, but we'll get it later. And then look what happened. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the earth. So Abahu and Adahu means, I don't know, I don't understand theology, and I'm not a theologian, and I don't know Hebrew, and I don't know Greek, but it seems to me that the earth was here, and it was void and without form. I mean, does anybody else read that differently than me? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And people like to go back and talk about the six-day creation and this gap theory and all that. I don't even care about all that. At some point, the heavens and the earth were created. I don't know when they were. But we do know this, that when they were created, they were without form and void. There was, there was nothing here. Oh, Spencer's all over it. Tohu, I always get that wrong. Tohu abohu. It's biblical. Hebrew, can you believe Coach Dave doesn't know how my head's talking about biblical Hebrew? It's a phrase found in Genesis that describes the condition of the earth immediately before the creation of light in Genesis 1-3. Numerous interpretations of this phrase are made by various theological sources. King James Version translates it without form and void, which corresponds to Septuagint, which means unseen and unformed. So remember, folks, God always moves from nothing to something, from dark to light. That is his pattern, okay? That's the pattern. There it is. The words tohu and bohu also occur uh, in Isaiah when the King James Version translates the word confusion and emptiness. The two Hebrew words are properly tohu and bohu. Translates to wasteness, that which is laid waste, desert, emptiness, Vanity, nothing. Tohu is frequently used in the book of Isaiah in the sense of vanity. But bohu occurs nowhere else in the Hebrew Bible outside Genesis 1. Mm. And used alongside two being peronomasia and is given the equivalent translation of emptiness and voidness. Um, here's a good time for you to say, Coach, I've never heard anything like this in my life. So, am I willing to say that? Because I never heard anything like this. I thought you were nuts, Coach. I, thought I you never were heard anything before. I never heard anything. <laughs> Isn't this awesome? Isn't this awesome? So, uh, the, just saying void and without form, that's the English word. See, it's so much deeper than that. The earth was void and without form, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. Look at that. Right there in two, two sentences. Tells us everything. And then what happens? Well, that daggone God guy shows up, and what does he do? He moves from darkness to light. Anytime God's on the scene, it's from darkness to light. He's the light of the world. The Bible says no man takes a candle and sets it up on a hill and puts a cover over the top of it. You're the light of the world because you give light to all this darkness. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light. And he said, man, that's good. That is good. And then he divided. Mm, He did what? Yeah. He divided the light from the darkness. Why? It's a pattern. It's a pattern. And so we get caught up into, into uh, I don't know where I'm heading. Just stay with me. It's a free download. So here we are in 2023, November, or, uh, September 5th, 2023. And we've lost sight of it in, in the world that America moves, the world moves from a pattern of darkness to light. Cyclical. And we are right now at the ends of what I believe to be a dark cycle. And if, if uh, Craig, maybe I could bring Craig in here. Hey, folks, this is all off the cuff, okay? Just bear with me a second. Craig's into numbers. Craig's a number guy. Patterns, numbers. 
This generation shall not pass away till all those things be fulfilled. How long is a generation? How long would that would that be? What what would the generation be? And if we were really, really to look back, if we were to go backwards into time, right now today, backwards into time, at what point would we go back and say, "Boy, darkness really started"? I have I, I have an idea. Darkness really started right there, right there. That's where darkness, current darkness, started right there. Anybody know when that would be? I'm, I'm going to tell you when I think it was. I think it happened in 1947. I think it happened in 1947. In America, I'm talking about. Spencer, pull up Everson versus Board of Education. Supreme Court decision. Craig, get out there. You get your calculators out there, those of you who love numbers, because God runs the rules and patterns here, right? When was it? 1947. 1947. So if darkness was launched, really launched in 1947, which, by the way, that's the Supreme Court decision that, that led to the separation between the church and state. That was the removal of God from American government. Right there. That's when it started there, folks. Now, that's when I was born in 52. So most of us have lived our lives from 1947. Most of Some of you are older than that, but not a lot of you. 1947. And so if you were to go with me, look what happened after 1947. Look what happened in the turbulent 60s. Look how we were, that cycle was going dark, 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 all throughout. I've said this before, but some, again, new people, right? So in 1947, they told us there was a separation between the church and state. Government officially booted Christ, 47. 14 years later, they took prayer out of school in 1961. 1963, they removed Bible reading. Supreme Court did. Supreme Court did. 1970, they determined that you could kill an unborn baby. Are you following the pattern here, folks? Hmm? 1980, Stone versus Graham, they took the Ten Commandments off of the wall. Couldn't teach it to our children. And so we saw a total and complete undoing of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Earth is void, not formed, darkness upon the earth. And God said, let there be light. And they've been trying since 1947 to turn the light out. Anybody picking this up with me? I'm, I'm, I'm so picking this up. And so, Craig, numbers guy, how long has it been from 1947 to now? How long has it been since 1947? It was 76 years ago. 76 years ago. What's a generation? What is a generation? Well, some say it's 50 years, 60 years. Nobody really ever knows what it is. But a lot of those who are saying that the rapture is coming, they like to use that 70. They like to use 70 as the number. By the way, after the separation between the church and the state, Israel was formed. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to make you think. Just trying to make you think here this morning. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't study eschatology. It's not my, it's not my bag. But 70 years, if there was a seven-year darkness, a seven-year tribulation period, what would have been 70 years after 1948? What would that have been? That have been 2008, wouldn't it? And I would say this, by my eschatology, that's when the sun started coming back up, 2008. We're still, hey, I'm not a theologian. I'm just talking. And I'm telling you, we are moving from dark to light again. It's right in front of us. See it everywhere that we look. But the problem that we're facing here is we have an eschatological, uh, we have an eschatological clergy who believe we're going from light to dark. They don't believe the sun's coming up. They do not teach us in modern American Christianity that his kingdom is going to come on. We don't teach that, friends. We have a negative eschatology. Now, I know, I know I'm starting some arguments here. But one of the things I loved about being a Catholic when I was raised Catholic, I wasn't raised with all that end-time eschatological nonsense. Now, I don't call it nonsense, but I, I, 
I wasn't, ra- I wasn't raised at age eight to think about a rapture. I wasn't raised at age 15, 16. I wasn't taught that there was such a thing as a rapture and that we were getting out of it. I wasn't taught any of that stuff, right? So it's a lot of stuff I didn't have to unlearn. There's so many things that you guys, look, you know I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth that you guys, for your whole life, have believed a, the- a theology or a doctrine that was taught you as a young person. And you've kept that same thing. You were raised Baptist, you've stayed Baptist. You were raised Methodist, you've stayed Methodist. And so you have stayed in that same lane for how many years? And then you come in here, and all of a sudden we're talking about stuff you never heard, and you think I'm crazy. Your family thinks I'm crazy. And all I'm trying to do is get you to say, hey, coach. What do you think? Hey, coach. What do you think? Yes. It's a boom, but I have always been a lane breaker. So, and I'm I'm sure a lot of us in this in this huddle are maybe that's lane why, breakers. Maybe that's why they're drawn here. Maybe that's why they're drawn here. Okay. So, point being what? Point being what? <clears throat> unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And you should bring that up. That's Isaiah seven. Where, where is it? Isaiah nine? Unto us a government is born, unto the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Huh? Uh, no, no, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I swear it is. Yes, thank you, Lord. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? Unto us a son is born. Child is born, and a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, friends, he's the head. We're the body. The body begins where? Where does the body begin? Somebody help me out. Where does the body, if they found the head, if they cut off your head, if somebody murdered you and cut off your head, they could still find your body. Is that true or not? Yes, that's true, right? And it says here that the government shall be upon his shoulders, which is where the body begins. Oh, my goodness. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of what he is in control of, there will be an end until sometime after 1948, and then everybody's going to be taken out of here. Is that what it says? Of the increase of his government peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it. Order and establish what? His kingdom. Establish it with justice, judgment, and justice from henceforth forever and ever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Now, folks, I don't know what to say. Because there aren't 10 churches in America that believe what I just read. Amen. We are being taught it's going to get worse and we're going to get out of here. Folks, it was worse at the beginning. The earth was void without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. Friends, are you going to hear me? Darkness does not cast out light. Darkness does not cast out light. When God brought the light in there, the darkness flees. Amen. Anybody picking up what I'm saying here? You understand what I'm what I'm trying to get you to see? That the, the problem is not that there isn't any light. It's that we've put a bushel over it. And they've told us in our churches, keep that bushel over it because you'll make the government mad. We're not supposed to make religion and politics. Oh, oh Coach Dave, you're trying to build God's kingdom here on earth. Yeah, that's what it says. Or do you want just get a marker and mark that out? Just scratch that out? Oh, no, no. Hey, hey, Spencer, I just got to do this for the slow learners out there, okay? Look, go to Webster and look up increase. Look up increase. Where it says of the increase of his government. The increase of his government. Increase was what? Uh, to become greater in bulk or quantity. To grow. To become, oh, no. To become more violent. As the fever increases, the pain increases, cold, wind, or storm increases, to become more bright or vivid, 
as the light increases to swell, to rise, to become of more esteem and authority. Jesus said, he, uh, Paul said, I'm not Paul, yeah. He, uh, John the Baptist said, he must increase, I'll decrease. To enlarge, to enlighten part of the moon's disk, to advance in quality, to add to any quality or affection, to increase, to extend, to lengthen. Well, this is going against some theology out there, isn't it, friends? Of the increase of his, well, there it is. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Mm. Unbelievable. I've, I've talked for a half hour. And I'm going to go to my, I'm going to go to my grave knowing that all this wicked stuff going on around us didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. Jesus warned us at the very beginning. What did he say? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people, they're going to teach you doctrines of men. And when they teach you those doctrines of men, They're going to make a word of God of none effect. So they're going to preach to you evacuation, 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 evacuation. And he said, no, dude, government increases. My government control increase. Come on in, Angie. Morning. Morning. So I just want to shed some light, pun intended, on the two terms of light and darkness that we see in Genesis 1. And I think it's awesome you went to the Hebrew because that's what we should do. The concept of light in Hebrew that we're seeing, and take in mind that this is before the sun and the, the, sun and the moon were, were given, the, the, the illuminaries in the sky were given. It's his light, okay? And that concept, that word in Hebrew is or, O-R-R, and that means a spiritual light, Shekinah. Mm. Right? Yes. The opposite, the antithesis of that is Hochek, and that means a spiritual darkness. It is, wow. a, it is a spiritual darkness. However, interestingly enough, when you go into Exodus and you see one of the ten plagues was that light that was cast over Egypt, also the word Hoch, or uh, also the word or when it was shining on the Israelites, because they were in perpetual light, and in the darkness, Egypt was in darkness, it is the same word, Kochek. It is a spiritual darkness that fell over. So it wasn't just they were in the dark. They were in a spiritual, deep, dark, physical darkness, and also a spiritual Amen. darkness that fell yes. over them. And Amen. so this is what we're talking about. That Study that Hebrew, my friends. That is going to give you the keys to the kingdom and understanding these principles so that you can set aside the doctrines and traditions of men and start living the way he tells us to. So God created the sun to create the light. You understand? He didn't have light create the sun. He had the sun be the light. But see, what Angie just said is so critical for us to understand. We're talking spiritual Right? Spiritual light. Spiritual light. And what do we think God's going to do? He's going to remove the light? He's going to remove the light? He's going to take the light out? I don't know about you. That doesn't even make sense. Does it? I don't know. Look, I'm just a helmet head, former Catholic boy that started reading the Bible and thinking. That's all. If my house is getting darker, do I take the light I have out of the basement or do I bring more lights down? Folks, this isn't hard. This isn't hard. Jesus said, you saw the earth, you lie the world, but if you lose your savior, you're good for nothing. Christians are good for nothing for the most part. We're good for nothing. Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works. When they see your good works, they're going to glorify your daddy, which is in heaven. Your life is here to illuminate your dad. Jeez. Bernie. Yeah, good morning, coach. Good morning. Um, 
couple things came to mind. Um, a couple things I've been thinking about. Number one, pride comes before a fall. And, you know, with night right after World War II, we were all full of pride. And, um, and also, we credited science for giving us the victory instead of God who gave us the victory. Amen. Anybody who knows the history of World War II knows that so many things could have turned the other way, except for an interposing hand of God that's restraining evil. So, you know, if we depart from the Lord, he'll depart from us. It's Amen. And the other thing is... We moved, Bernie, we moved. He didn't move. We moved. Right, we, we we moved away from him. Not he didn't reject us; we rejected him. So, um, so it's time for this all to come back. You know, I think there's a lot about what's parallels between what's going on now and the French Revolution. When people seek for rights without being under God, it just leads to a reign of terror. So, uh, anyway, it's something to think think about. You know, this I've been reading a lot. I broke my leg, so that means I can't oh, work. So sorry, I gotta um. But no, God's using it for good because He's making me sit down and read. <laughs> I started reading the history of the uh, of uh, the English speaking people by Churchill, and it's just amazing all the things that go back back and forth. And you know, we it's more likely we're just in in a cycle. And I know the idea of the abandonment theology, which is the end time stuff, has really really hurt the church. We've been fascinated. It, part of it, I think, that the church was so mocked. And it's like, oh, you don't have credibility. Then we looked at prophecy, and then we started. Just we just got hooked on it, and it got us off the focus of we're t- only talking about being saved or lost, but we're not talking about what it means to be faithful or be unfaithful. Because well, how many times do God's people go into unfaithfulness, and isn't that the problem? It is a problem. It so. is. Bring up if you could for me, Spencer. Where where is it? Do I have it there? Second uh, uh, Timothy. Bring up Second Timothy. I don't think I put it. Po- Pulled up. Yeah, yeah, it's number two. Number two. Number two. <clears throat> Friends, I'm sorry. Just let me let me get to, I'll get you, Janine. Go ahead. Go ahead, Janine. And I'll, then I'll do number two. Go ahead, Janine. Um when we read the the word for the first time, we always read it physical. But then he yes. says, get off the milk and get onto the meat. So back yep. in 09, I was I, I I always try to keep the red thread through the whole word of God. And I started a spreadsheet because I knew there's always the red thread, which is Christ through the whole uh, word of God. And you started it out by you saying, uh, "Here, I'll just read the first part of my spreadsheet. In the beginning, which is Genesis, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then I went to the Ten Commandments. And the first one says, I am the Lord thy God who brought you out of the land uh, out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage then I went to the book of Psalms Psalm 1 1 and 2 blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of the sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but but he delighteth in the law of the Lord and in the law doth he meditate day and night then I went to Psalm uh, 23rd Psalm the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then if you go to the Beatitudes of Revelation, Revelation 1-3, which people don't understand, that's a Beatitude there too. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. We need to read the Bible uh, with spiritual eyes. He is through the whole thing, and every jot, every tittle, everything that is in there points directly to him. And there, it's that's when he says, if you, if you aren't, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you know who he is in the beginning? Hmm. Amen. 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 Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tom Gill just texted me. It's true. Think John the Baptist, what they do? They cut his head off, right? As a symbolic. It was symbolic. They cut the head off from the body. Second Timothy says, now, therefore, are you sitting down, friends? Are you sitting down? Because you're not going to get. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, commit to faithful men 
What? We, have, we don't even do that. Commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You, though, endure hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You, do you think of Jesus as a soldier? Hard? Hard? No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That it may please him who cho hath chosen him to be a soldier. In other words, entangle yourself in this world means get trapped up in worldly desires. It doesn't mean not to impact the world. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're supposed to impact it. But he said, don't get caught up in it. Because if you get caught up in it, you're not going to do it because you're going to lose your worldly stuff. You're going to lose your money and your freedom and your liberty. He said, don't get caught up in that. And if a man also strives for mastery, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Consider what I say. Okay, on and on and on. Go, go. On. Go so what he does is he goes down through here and he gives you the what man is. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. He does a little bit of the history. Then go to number, then to go to next chapter. Go to next. This is y'all to read all this. I'm just hurrying too much. So he says, having known that, then, because men are the, men are wicked, the nature of men, you know all that, know this also. That in the last time, perilous times shall come. Why are perilous times coming? Well, he tells you right here, because men are lovers of their own selves. They're covetous. He said, the nature of men... If the nature of man prevails, this is what you're going to get. And see, they've taught us in our churches that this is a sign of the end, when in fact, he's telling us this is how you'll recognize men apart from Christ. That's what this is telling you. Man apart from Christ is going to be a lover of his own self. He's going to be covetous and boast and proud and blasphemer and disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy. Are you looking around? It's the nature of men. They won't have natural affection. They'll be truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Why? Men who are not regenerated by the Spirit of God. That's what he's showing us here. They have a form of godliness. Amen. They look like pastors, but they deny the power of that godliness. The church could stop transgenderism tomorrow, but they deny the power. Anybody getting this with me? Amen. They deny the power. All power has been given unto me both from heaven and earth. Go ye, therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Are we doing that? No, and then we say, well, look, uh, things are getting darker and darker. Well, they're getting darker and darker because we're not going and teaching. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and pulpits and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust. In other words, diverse, all kinds of diverse things they do. And these women are ever learning, and they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the unregenerated heart of man. Lauren, come on in. Good morning. Um, there's a couple things. With the transgender thing, they're not, they can't have their own kids, so they're coming after yours. That's the first point. That well, first of all, they're, they're after the seed of the one. They're after the Christian's kids. They're after God's children. Anyway. Right. So, but this is breaking down to two points. It's blaspheming the Holy Spirit, everything that's going on in the church. And what's happening in the church is you have wolves in sheep's clothing who are, who are sitting in the pews and also are at the pulpit. And what's happening is they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 7, 21, 23, most of us know this verse, but it says, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of, the, of heaven, but, but he that dwelleth in, dwelleth the will of my, does the will of my father, which is in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not baptized in your name? Have we not feed the homeless in your name? Yeah. Right. And, and thy name have been cast out and, and casting out devils going and doing deliverance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, and in your name done many wonderful works and in, and, and then we'll profess to, unto them. I never, Jesus is going to, now this oh, is the pardon thing. Pardon me again. Who, who are you? Have, have we met? Pardon me. Have we ever met here? That's what he's saying, isn't it? Jesus right. Well, he says, said, oh, well, and that word yeah. new, the word new translated, when it's translated from, from its original text, means intimacy like a husband and wife has. Right. So right. he says, he never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you, worker of iniquity. And that's what's happening. And because you're not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, or you're going out in the name of, of Josh, I'm going out in the name of Pastor Bill Johnson, and I'm going out in the name of this person. No, you have to you have to know the gospel, you have to be the gospel, and then you have to go out in the power in the power of the Holy Spirit is what works through you into those people. And people aren't going out in the power of the Holy Spirit because they don't have the Holy Spirit because they've never been saved. Because Because they don't, they love themselves more than they love the Lord. Exactly. They know of Jesus Christ, but they don't know Jesus Christ. It's just like someone who who knows of football. And unless you've played football and unless you've done it and been in the locker room and and been tackled and been on that first and goal, or been, you know, taking all the hits and all the things that go with it. You don't know what goes into right. a game. You don't know. You may think you, you, don't, do. know. you don't know. You don't know. You know, you, you've seen it on TV. You've played Thanksgiving football. That's not football. That's not the game. That's right. That's right. And those of you sitting in the stands think you know the intricacies of the game. And we ain't got no clue. Well, no, I, I could tell another story on that, but I want to move on. Thank you, Lauren. Clay. Well, as you were saying, the uh, our Heavenly Father brought light into the world. Well, our Father God also brings light into us. Uh, Psalm 18, 28 says, For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. Huh. And uh, the God don't bring darkness into us. He brings light. I, I, Amen, I, brother. Clay, wherever he shows up, it's light, dude. That's right. <laughs> Huh? There's no dark. The Bible says there's no shadow of turning with him. Huh? He's the light of the world. He is the light. Amen. Hallelujah. And what do you what have you been taught in your church? Oh, you can't take it here and you can't take it there. And you don't do it here and you can't do it. They got to obey the government. Right? Right? Huh? Oh my goodness, what time we live in, Myra. Yes, coach. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us in all truth. And I was thinking in in the same ways as um my uh, dear brother Cray in regard to him being the light but I have something in regard to the generations. It's going to be in Proverbs 30 12 through 14 There is a generation that are pure Hang in their own Let eyes Let me get it up there. Sure. Proverbs 30 12 through 14 Okay Okay, so there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes. Hang on. And yet, hang on. Wash. Hang on. Pure in whose eyes? Their own. All right. And yet it's not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation of, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their yoke teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Hallelujah. Ah, generation. Gener- hey, Spence, what's a generation? It's a generation. Not how long. What is one? Production, formation. As a generation of clouds, curves, and equations, single a single succession in natural descent. Hmm. The people of the same period are living at the same time. In genealogy, a series of children or descendants from the same stock, a family, a race, progeny, offspring. 
See, my generation is supposed to, my, my job is to get my beliefs into the next generation. You missed it. My job is to get my beliefs into the next generation. 1947, they stopped that. Hey, looking at me? Sun's coming up. Sun's coming up. Keith. I thought it was a generation that saw when Israel was reestablished as a nation was like 1948. Right. That, that generation. And it was it the, uh, the wilderness wanderings was 40 years. That was considered a generation. Right. Uh, three score and 10 generation. And there wasn't there a hundred years for like uh, Nineveh or something to that effect. Yeah, well, I, I understand. Well, why are you Why are you talking a second, Keith? Stay right there a second, Spencer. Look up what is a generation. Just Just Google how long is a generation. Go ahead, Keith. I'm I'm, I'm tracking with you, buddy. Because Jesus Jesus stood there in the Olivet Discourse and he said, "This generation shall not pass away till all these things will be fulfilled." What does this mean? What's the difference between this and that? This generation. This generation. A generation refers to all the people born and living at about the same time regarding collectivity. It's also going to be described as the average period generally considered to be about 20 to 30 years during which children are born and grow up, become adults, and begin to have children. I'm not, look, I'm not trying to step on anybody's theology. But a lot of people focus on the establishment of Israel as a sign. How long ago was that? How long ago was that? I think it was May 10th. Uh, it's just, that's what I want to say. 1948. 1948. How, that's a long time ago, isn't it? It says right here. Weird. Generations, maybe 30 years, maybe. Well, so I, don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's theology. I'm just reading and asking questions. That's what I do. RJ. Did you go away, RJ? You have a, have a mess up? Boy, oh, sorry. Boy. Yeah, you asked a question right in the beginning. Uh, it was a it was a boom in the spirit. Where's Vinny when you need him? So <laughs> he said, you know, what's going on in the public schools? Are they teaching Genesis? You know, are their teachers qualified? And, and who's qualifying these clowns? Well, RJ, first, first a second, RJ, they don't, only, don't even teach genesis one they don't they act like it isn't even there right it has no impact on their has no impact on their lives yeah it's been eradicated and we're paying for this mess our generation is passing away i mean 12 i i'm genesis uh, israel's been around what 12 years longer than me and i'm up in my 60s this is ridiculous, and we're allowing it to get this bad. Oklahoma's got drag queens that are showing up in the classrooms. Yeah. It's incredible, so, and we're paying so, for this. So, RJ, in my lifetime, my lifetime now I'm talking about, I knew my great-grandfather, George. I knew my grandpa, John. I knew my dad, Frank. I knew me, Dave, and I knew my son, Zach. I right now can touch. I knew five generations. Right, five gen folks. I knew five generations, and Jesus stood at the mount and said, "This generation shall not pass away, till all these things be fulfilled." I know five generations. How many generations has it been since Jesus said that? But see, they projected future. I'm look. I'm. I don't care what your theology. I'm just. I'm trying to get you to think. They say, "Oh, Coach Dave." No, no, no. He was talking about the generation that sees Israel become a nation again. That's when he went when he said this generation. Then why wouldn't he have said that generation? That generation that sees it. Why would he say this generation? He's standing in front of people. He said this generation. This is the greatest generation. This is. If I say to you right now, what's the greatest generation? You guys all know who it is, right? They tell us the greatest generation was the baby, the, the children, the parents of the baby boomers. That was the greatest generation. Jesus stands there and says, this generation shall not pass away. We say, oh, I get it. Uh, 2,000 years, that, that generation. Hmm. It's, gym, it's, it's gym, mental gymnastics. 
And I don't know, and I don't care. But I just know this, that his kingdom is without end. And at the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. I, I'm, I don't have an answer to you. But I'm going to tell you this. They've been telling y'all stuff that they can't prove. The teaching that Jesus said they teach his commandments, the doctrines of men. Doctrines. Say real quick there, uh, Spencer. What's a doctrine? What's a doctrine? Because they teach as commandments the doctrines of men. In general sense, whatever is taught. Hence a principle or position in any science, whatever is laid down is true. By an instructor or man. See, it doesn't have to be true. Whatever's laid down as true. The doctrines of the gospel are the principles of truth taught by Christ and his apostles. The doctrines of Plato are the principles which he taught. Hence, a doctrine may be true or false. Wow. I love the English language. Hmm. Jeff. Well, maybe we need to go to the public square and be the light. Well, I think we are. Right? <laughs> yep. And see, people say, "Why? What good is that doing?" I it just, it just absolutely baffles me. What's your intention to go? Wait, what are you going to? Uh, going to go shine light. I'm going to go shine light. Why are you going to the abortion clinic? Oh, I think I'll go shine light. That's why. Do you know what to do when you're there? No, I don't always know what to do, but I'm going to shine light there. Don't let my light, because I told you this yesterday. We showed up on the square in Mount Vernon with a picture, a big picture of a dead baby. And it impacted the heart of a person driving by. Now, you can say all you want that we're treating symptoms when we are. Abortion has to end. We have to get to the heart of what's causing abortion and who's driving that agenda. We have to get the heart of that. But in the meantime, I think rescuing children is a noble thing. I think standing up and being flipped off and called names is a noble thing. I think Jesus himself said, you're going to be hated of all men. I think that's a noble thing. And I don't have to have all the answers and all the do's and the don'ts in order to do a noble thing. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, not only rescuing them out of the womb, but we're rescuing them 12-year-olds on the square. Yeah. I'm, listen, you ain't going to rescue anybody sitting in your house. Or can I also tell you this? Sitting in your church. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to leave you with this for the day. Okay, go to... Uh, Go to number, oh, I got to show you real quick. I'll pull up number one real quick. I got two minutes. Number one, Isaac, our buddy Isaac, he did, put this in the chat. He did an unbelievable interview with the Gateway Pundit yesterday. Our buddy Isaac, who just got sentenced to a year in jail. Unbelie- he's, I'm going to have him on the show. I know Isaac. I'm going to have him on the show. Unbelievable. Put that in the chat. But I want to show you what our problem is, Okay. Put that in the chat for me, please. Thank you. I want you to pull up just 45 seconds. Number three. Pull up number three, and you ask me how long we're going to permit this kind of stuff to go on. Pull up number three. How long are our elected officials going to allow this? Mitch McConnell, 82 years old. 82-year-old man running up. Watch this. How long are we going to permit this? Running for re-election in 2026. That's right. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry. Go to the morgue. Take him to the morgue. He is what? uh, uh, The fourth most powerful person in the American government? Fourth? I think he's fourth. Isn't he fourth in line? I think. Okay. President, vice president, speaker of the house, and then him. I think we got Joe Biden. We got him. 
and we sit around in denial of what the, what is going on around us. Because why? We've been taught to put our light under a bushel. That we don't really want to lay down our lives, not ours, but somebody else. Roger, quickly. Name me one thing that the Christian culture is in charge of. That's it. Can Nothing. I do it, man? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. That's what, that's it. That's right. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Shame on us. See you tomorrow.